So in this episode of the Old Mill Shop, we have no son of mine, but Jesus loves me. We have we have a two for one special of the feline nature, and we talk about centralized music that's maybe becoming decentralized. All this and more on the Old Mill Shop. We have over 100 years of wonderful recorded music out there. So why do most people listen to the same 100 songs? Like the treasures on the shelves of a thrift shop. There are so many great songs out there waiting for us to find. Let's find those treasures together. I am David Rankin, and this is the Old Mill Shop. Greetings fellow shoppers. Welcome to the Old Mill Shop. In the first segment, we're going to cover the album of the month for January. We Can't Dance by Genesis. This was one of the first albums that came out when I was in that in-between period between high school and college. Starting the freshman year, out comes really neat album. Got some pop songs on it. Got some deep songs too. Even got into some arguments with uh, friends who thought Genesis had sold out and turned Christian. If you listen to Jesus Who Loves Me, you can tell that's not true. The band isn't condemning Christianity, but is not being friendly to the televangelists of the late 80s. And as a Christian, they didn't deserve any friendship. The Bakers swaggered. The list goes on. Uh, Oral Roberts said God was calling him home if he didn't uh, receive a certain amount of money by a certain amount of time, but he didn't get called home for that. Jesus, He Loves Me was a secular condemnation of the hypocritical ev- televangelists. The sad part is uh, the ones that are still alive from the time are right back at it. Both Tammy Faye and Jim have their own shows again and several of the others just took a break and then came back. No Son of Mine captures the powerful emotions of an abusive father and son relationship. Dreaming while you sleep imagines what would happen if you hit and killed someone in an accidental car wreck, but drove on instead of admitting that you did it like you should. Hold on my heart has the rational side of your brain trying to tell the heart, slow down, don't go so fast, don't hurt me again. In my favorite song from the album, Driving the Last Spike, goes through a history of the people who left home and often died to run the railroads. Uh, I believe the song's about Australia in particular, but uh, it's in common with the U.S. and Britain and all the countries that had long railroad traditions. My in-laws all worked for the local railroad. It's got a lot of personal connection with this song. If you consider this the last Genesis album, Instead of calling all stations, it's just as powerful an album to go out on as any that were done when they were still the fivesome. It's worth another listen, so go back and listen to We Can't Dance by Genesis. Today's two-for-one special, the Pink Panther theme by Henry Mancini. Before we start the two-for-one special... Let's cover the Music Minute songs for the week. In Vintage Corner Monday was St. Louis Blues by Marion Harris. Tuesday, Trans-Celtica by Green Clouds. Wednesday, Land of Confusion by Genesis. Thursday, The Peter Gunn Theme by Henry Mancini. And Friday, Apocalypse Now by Pocastra. The two-for-one special today is the Pink Panther Theme 
by Henry Mancini. This song has a distinct characteristic of being the theme song for three different series and three different characters, none of whom are technically from the same franchise at all, but the connections are clear. Of course, the first one is the Pink Panther movies, with Peter Sellers as inspector clouseau the pink panther of the movies isn't a cat at all it's a pink diamond has a paw-like feature the second character that gets the as a theme song is the cat the pink panther in the first movie Fritz Freeling and crew animated a pink cat in various situations to run through the theme song of the pink panther and the cat moved to the beat of the song. The cat was so beloved as a character that they spun it off for its own set of cartoons in the movie theater and then on TV. But it's technically not a character in the movie. Now, the third is a bit more obscure. But some of the Pink Panther cartoons in the 80s featured a character called the Inspector, who uh, technically was never said to be Clouseau, Probably because they didn't want to pay money for the creator of Inspector Clouseau for the show. But he's obviously Inspector Clouseau. But he is the Inspector. Since he's technically not the same character. Technically a third character who's not at all related but has the same theme song. Like other of Henry Mancini's songs, the cool just oozes off this jazz hit. Uh, It's got perfect timing. The saxophone works. Mancini said that he wrote the song for the saxophone and wrote the song for one specific saxophone player and then went and got him, which is why it's so good because it fits his style perfectly. If you can't have the Peter Gunn theme song as the theme song of your life, the Pink Panther theme's not too bad either. I don't know if I'd want to live the life of Inspector Clouseau myself. It's interesting how certain cities became important in the music industry while others never stepped above the hometown of so-and-so or the place where a certain business ran for a while. But if you look, go back and you look in uh, the economics and you look in how the trade was going at the time, it's not that hard to understand how each of the major cities in the U.S. popped up as important in the music industry. First, and the most important, of course, is New York City. For the 1900s, this was the center of publishing, and it was the center of uh, the finance industry. Edison and Bell were across the river or across the state border doing their work on the phonographs of the the early era. Uh, The money that was coming into the industry was coming in through New York City and the technology was coming in through New York City. The companies that started up around record creation often got their money in New York City. When uh, radio was first starting, like London with it, the large radio conglomerate set up in New York City. Just like in London, the BBC was uh, broadcasting to the world. In New York City, NBC and CBS were broadcasting to the entire country. Through inertia and through the power of the artists who still 
live and work in one of the biggest cities in the world, New York City still remains a powerful force in the music industry. It's also easy to understand how Los Angeles fit in to the music industry. When the film industry left the New York City area, for Hollywood, a lot of potential stars went with it. The film industry drove a lot of the technology around the sound improvements in the 20s and 30s. As sound and as music started in becoming part of the movies, then the singers came out west and started in the movies as well. Since they're in, since they're in Hollywood for movies, their records uh, studios are in Los Angeles for them. The famous cap record studio of the 50s is one such haven of pop stars who were coming to Los Angeles for the movies anyway. One of the cities that's a little harder to understand is this little country town called Nashville, Tennessee. It doesn't have a major trade route, but there's no major north-south thoroughfares for it. Until I-65, there weren't roads that you would consider a major thoroughfare north-south in the area. But what it did have was an incredibly large insurance agency that wanted a national radio station to where it could advertise its life insurance and accident policies. So National Life and Accident started the Clear Channel uh, AM radio station WSM and built the tallest radio tower in the country with the most powerful transmitter in the country at the time. A clear channel AM station had a special advantage. During the day, local channels could use a certain frequency, like for WSM, it's 650 kilohertz. Uh, Local stations could use that frequency during the day, but at night they had to turn off. And the only radio station that could be heard on that channel was the clear channel transmitter and hear WSM. In the early days of radio, it was easy to hear WSM all across the country. And they started, originally were a multi-format radio station, but they quickly realized the popularity of, at the time, hillbilly music, what's now country music, and started the Grand Ole Opry. It didn't take long for the Grand Ole Opry to become so popular that people would crowd around the radio station wanting to listen to the show live and see the people. So they took the show over to the Ryman Auditorium and history was made. Well, with all the artists around the Opry, And with the money associated with WSM, the rest of the industry flocked to the city because that's where the talent was. And now Nashville is well known for uh, gospel, for country, and for the other genres in lesser extent. So if you want a record deal and you're from that area, Nashville is one place you can go. You would wonder how Memphis became a music hub so close to Nashville, but its advantages are much more clear. It was a trade hub along the Mississippi River. Basically, if you're going north, you turn left to go west and north. You turn right and you go east up towards uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio. And from there, the lock systems can take you on to Detroit and so on. South, you're headed to New Orleans. Memphis was a natural place for people to come out of the Mississippi Delta with their music and stop in Memphis to work and to trade and to get some money. Uh, Then maybe head on to Chicago and 
come back and forth. Memphis also had enough money that in 1949 they would have the first radio station that was managed and uh, staffed by all-black on-air announcers. The city also attracted smaller renegade record labels that turned out to be important to the creation of 50s and 60s music like sun records it didn't hurt that it was a quick drive to nashville so you could you had country uh people going back and forth for sun records and this doesn't include the towns that were just as important but more limited you have chicago wasn't directly influential on the music trade but you had a lot of people recording there who came up from memphis and from the south a generation later everyone's coming to detroit for jobs during the great depression during the war them and their kids start singing for record labels like motown and in austin you've got the the cowboys and the americana singers who flock and uh, collect in a friendly environment in the texas area where there's a lot of uh, shops and uh, friendly venues like uh, Austin City Limits. And in my opinion, we can't underestimate what Silicon Valley is doing to the music industry now about decentralizing the music industry. It took me two minutes of searching on DuckDuckGo to find 20 different companies that you can pay various amounts of money or pay nothing at all up front, take a song, and it will, within a few hours, appear on every single major digital music platform. A few more minutes, I'm sure I can find a way to have a download service so that I can sell my own copies of the songs without paying Apple a percentage. And then if I'm old-fashioned enough, make a few CDs have them printed up. If you're really old-fashioned, I'm sure there's Amazon will let you publish on demand for your CDs as well. A few minutes with the t-shirt maker and all of a sudden I have a merchandise store online. And whether I'm in Lancaster, Kentucky or Lancaster, Texas or Lancaster, England or Lancaster, Guyana, all of a sudden my music is reaching out to the world And my problem now is just getting my people to find the music. Rather than it used to being finding the people and then convince the music company that the record should come out. I look forward to seeing what kind of decentralizing effect digital uh, music distribution has on the industry. On that high note, we've reached the end of yet another show. Keep searching for music that's new to you and happy shopping. Please come back for the next episode of The Old Mill Shop. Thanks to Apple for use of the Samantha voice. Thanks to Zapsplat at www.zapsplat.com for theme song and incidental music. Copyright David W. Rankin Jr. DBA The Old Mill Shop Music Experience.